created live on Fireside. And with the music having come to an abrupt end, thank you, thank you. I know the master has arrived. Here's my ring. In any event, welcome to it. This is the latest edition of Doing It Sober Live. Running solo now, my name is Chris Snell from Southern Africa. Jennifer DeLulio, I hope I've pronounced your last name right. Nailed it. Nailed it. The first time, nailed it. Domo arigato, sensei. Speaking of which, let's introduce our guest. Addiction, we've come to learn, hops like a bunny rabbit from generation to generation, which by comparison sits on each of the individuals with similar last name, like an 800-pound gorilla. The truth is certainly that a question should be raised, how to break that cycle? By being exclusively present? Do we cruise through life like a smooth plane ride from day to day in a quasi-sedated manner? Or can we faithfully embrace who we are by trying something new? Getting outside of the box and being whom we were created to be. Jenna Delulio has the answers. She's a content creator, a beauty aficionado, that and much, much more. So versatile a portfolio. She joins us today to chat about sobriety and beauty. Can they be one and the same? And what's more, bringing that beauty to the fore. She may well be the inspiration for the ever-so-famous tagline, maybe she's born with it. Jenna, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you, darling. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. That might have been, like, the best intro of all time. (laughs) Oh, I aim to please. Now, Jenna, just very, very succinctly, how long were you struggling with addiction for? Were you an alcoholic? Were you a drug addict? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I was struggling, I would say, at least 10 years with alcoholism. I didn't know I was struggling at all within Mm. that time. I just thought, like, the way that I lived and was normal. It was just a normal thing. Mm -hmm. I can relate. And tell me, you said you didn't know. That it was a problem then, I do agree. It was never a problem then. It was fun. We were just having a gay old time with just a little bit of liquid courage. But eventually fun starts to become the walking dead. At what point did that start to spin out of control for you? Yeah, I mean, I, like I, people will like always say like, did you have fun? Like, oh my gosh, yeah, I had like way too much fun actually drinking. Like that's why it became so addictive for me in the beginning. And then I would say in my 30s was when I it started to become less of a social thing for me like it was thing it was something I was doing just like by myself in, on my back porch with in a large consumption right. and I wasn't spending time with anybody and so I think that's whenever it just started to progress a lot more mm. Mm. so you were what is classified as a functioning alcoholic you didn't do it in the public for all and sundry to see was more of a fact of between four walls and a door in the back porch with your drink by your side and eventually just purloining eventually that you couldn't anymore. Have I got that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, with me, with my addiction, I didn't realize it was an issue until I actually like, so I don't live near my family anymore. I'm in, I'm in America. Mm -hmm. So I live in Virginia and then there's a state called West Virginia above me and I'm from West Virginia and uh, when my parents came down to visit one summer to spend time with me, I was able to see 
my dad and me interact. And my dad had been an alcoholic my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I was able to look at him and see myself in him. And that was like, that was probably the defining moment. And my addiction was able to. Right. Sure. I hear you. And was that basically the point that you said, okay, all right, time to retire from the alcohol career? Or did it progress a little bit further than that, that you eventually said, okay, now I've got to stop? Yeah, I wish it was. I wish I was just like, oh, wait, I think I have the same thing he does. Let's walk away from this. Like, I don't <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, I, that did prompt me to go to therapy. It, it did prompt me mm-hmm. to head to, like, I was like, maybe this is something I should explore. I went to therapy. I was blessed with a therapist that was very intuitive. She was able to recognize almost immediately that I had alcoholism. And, but it was messy, man. It was like I freaking would try to get sober. I'd stay sober for a couple of days and then I'd relapse. Went on for months. Oh, yeah. That went on for a while. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And at what point eventually did you say, I've had enough? November 4th of 2017. I just woke up with a hangover, of course. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't me. I am completely innocent. Look at my hands. Here it is. I'm not even near a soundboard. I I come in peace. Oh, sorry. Deuces. I love the soundboard. Do you want to make money years? I feel like I'm on an episode of like Friends or or another. Well, that's, that's, that's what we try and do because surely sobriety is a serious topic, but this is freedom, which is Micronesian talk for we are fine, the normies are fucked. So yeah. at least in that regard, in that regard, we can. <laughs> <laughs> I say again, that was not me. Sorry. That was a stinker. That was not the soundboard. <laughs> oh, no, that was not the soundboard. I had too much burritos. They overloaded it on the baked beans. <laughs> uh, so yeah, November fourth. That's my like. That's my date. Um, I I li- right. cannot tell you why it stuck that day. The only thing I can say is I think the way I describe it with my addiction is. I like before only had one tool in my tool chest and that was like alcohol to party, to cope with stress or anxiety or sadness. And through therapy, I was able to pick up all of these new coping skills. And so along the way of the months of me relapsing, alcohol became just less and less shiny. The more that time went on. And so I think, like on November 4th, it was just like I woke up that day and I was like, I'm really going to give it the most honest effort that that I can. And it must have been a really romantic feeling to come to that realization, wasn't it? Yeah. It, well, it was tough like to really think about how final it was. I remember being so afraid of that. Like, yeah, sure, Never again am I going to drink. Like, how am I going to have fun? All the fun I Well, I present you with the same premise. I was still working on FM radio at the time, and it was 
getting close to the year-end function. You know the year-end function in a normal business where they say if one day in the work week, you all get together at a nice little tavern, there's a three-course meal, and it's these delicious treats that cost her arm and a leg, but you don't pay one cent, not one cent. And everyone's seated with shots, everyone's seated with wine, and all you have is either coffee or water. And everyone looks at you like you're an alien, and they think to yourself, Okay, why all of a sudden am I the most important person in the room? I'm not the president. I'm not the prime minister. I don't work for finances. But you tell them you don't drink anymore. Initially, it's like, you need to get your head red, buddy. But then again, as they see your character unfold in the months to follow, they're like, I want what she has. I want what she has. I have a question for you. Did you, were you ever that person? Because I know I was that person so many times. When I would see someone that didn't drink, like it, I just, my mind would be blown. I'd be like, what? Like, how don't you drink? Like, how do you have fun? How, like. Well, yes, I'll answer you in short. And plus, also, I still have to say so many Hail Marys for the way that I acted, the way I acted, because I was completely nuts. And if you take the word nuts and you have to break it down into an acronym, it's never underestimate the spirit. Take sober, it's son of a bitch, everything's real. And I still have to contend I still have to contend with that every given day. But the most joyous thing of it all is you see me now acting extremely lighthearted. It's part and parcel of the character that I am. It's not a character defect, it's more of a fact of I'm appreciating for the very first time, breaking down the walls, that I am what I am. And I can say the same for you because you're just radiant as a woman and that leads me to my question diverting away a bit from the sobriety part and more to the creative part i'm assuming seeing that you've been involved in beauty and you're a content creator you're right brain thinking correct am i right or am i wrong you are right where did your beautician work start and i'm asking as a guy because i don't know the the lingua i know and that's why i'm still single sucks to be me where did it start? I would say, I would say the content creation started first. I would say right. that really, because when I got sober, like until that point, I had put so many limitations on myself. I don't like, we all? Yeah, like I put so many limitations on who I could be, what I could do. And then after accomplishing that goal, like of living a life in recovery, it was like confidence and a limitless, like I knew I had no limits. I could accomplish anything that I really put my mind to. I hear you. Yeah. What started my content creation was I started talking openly, like very vaguely, of course, at first, because I was terrified about my sobriety. As you do. I was like, what's everybody going to say? And I just made a very vague post about how for six months I had eliminated, I was vegan. I watched What the Hell Fox, which blew my mind. So I I'm a pescatarian. I eat fish. Sorry. Shoot me. No, I the same way, but the weirdest thing is in pregnancy. So I hadn't eaten meat in five years. And the only thing I crave is cheeseburgers, which is it's so. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> the craziest oh, thing. Oh, sorry. Pardon <laughs> the pun. <laughs> so I had made this post and I said, for the past six months, I haven't eaten meat or cheese. And I also eliminated alcohol from my life. And 
this is back. You have to like remember this was back in like 2017 when no one was really talking about like as much as it is now because we have so many amazing people that are shining their light and sharing their story. And there was, I got so many messages and comments like people that were curious or they knew someone that like didn't drink and they, it was just like love, support and curiosity. And so I kind mm-hmm. of kept it going from there and kept sharing. And then that led me into being more creative and doing my makeup. And now I've been on social media for four years, which is so crazy. <laughs> well, I have to share with you with regards to the diet, just a little bit about me. I got sober a year after you did. Mm-hmm. And five months after I got a cancer diagnosis. Talk about a harsh reality check. I give up alcohol and drugs, and now God's going to punch my ticket. This sucks. But in any event, a month later, thankfully, a good friend of mine uh, who led me into researching pescatarian and vegan diets, he's got two degrees. He's from my country. I'm from South Africa, and he has two degrees in plant psychology and plant chemicology from the University of North Texas. Very brainy guy. And um, when I got treated for cancer, I took the more natural route. Because here's the thing that I bet you do know, but I'll just say it for perpetuity, that uh, chemotherapy and radiation, even though it's the most progressive and it's the most common commercial treatment for any types of cancer, because it's administered in various doses dependent on the diagnosis and the stage, there's a 55% risk that the dormant cancer cells in your body gets reawakened even if you are in remission. Because it's acid. It burns the cells, and it awakens the mutant cells. But let's take it into even more simplified than that. I'm not talking down to you. Please hear me. Take a carrot. Take a carrot, for example. Cut off the tip like a circumcision. And if you look in the middle of the carrot, you see those spider webs and that mini circle spreading out. What organ does that reminisce, or is that reminiscent of? The retina of the eye. Take a tomato, dice it in half. Take a look at one half. What is it reminiscent of? The chambers of the heart. And that's what led me to adopting uh, initially a vegan diet, but my protein count was so low that I had to get another source of protein in my system, ultimately leading me to a pescatarian diet. And I do comfort myself knowing that uh, fish in many ways than one procreate more than what rabbits do so if you want to take it in that vernacular fish are like plants they grow back and i have to tell you ever since switching to a pescatarian diet i've now been on it for let's 2018 2019 2020 2021 2022 yeah almost five and a half years my physical and my mental Thank goodness and thank the good Lord because of a pescatarian diet. And sure, there are people who eat meat who have had similar success where health is concerned. There's a, a, a carnivore diet and the like. Let's not go into that detail because I'm too stupid to try and analyze it. But, you know, there's not one size fits all for everybody, I think, when it comes to dieting. But the point is you have to do it for health reasons and for mental health reasons. Your thoughts on that? 100%. I couldn't agree more. I think 
like really finding it's kind of like with recovery and addiction it's like every addiction is different every recovery is different it's like finding a diet that works for you and it's interesting because I feel like getting when I like was getting sober and in recovery at first Mm -hmm. it was like focusing on my health in that way was another habit to implement because my addiction was built on a ton of bad habits that I had and it gave me like something else to focus on that I was like you know watching what I ate and choosing foods that were better for me and choosing foods that like honestly like I hadn't tried before um but I, I totally agree. I think you you take your mental health and your physical health are so intertwined. And, and they're in concert and, with one another. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in the United States and worldwide, we talk about mental health so much. And I really think we're on more of a path of, you know, than we ever have before about really embracing it and people taking a look more within about how they can better their mental health that directly affects their physical health. Um, but we still have so, so far to go. I feel like just as in general, but I feel like your physical health and your diet are tied so much to your mental health. Of course. Now let's get to the real topic of breaking the generational cycle. And I would like to add a little backstory to this. When I started my own podcast as well, I had a gentleman on named John Winslow, who first mentioned to me that this is a disease that begins from generation to generation to generation. But, like I said, with a bunny rabbit, it hits one generation, skips another, and then hits the generation thereafter. Whereabouts did your interest in that start to, start to acclimatize? About the generational cycle of addiction, I think. With my family, it's like, so in West Virginia, we, there's so much, there's so much addiction that's in the state as a whole. Um, in the United States, the the opioid crisis that's going on, West Virginia was Mm -hmm. absolutely by that. Um, but in, in my family in specific, it goes back so far, I don't know where it even started with addiction. And I watched my dad my whole life use alcohol as a way to cope, to celebrate and really struggle. But, you know, throughout my childhood, especially in my adolescence, I didn't understand addiction the way that I do now. And I resented him so much resentment Like, I'm sure if anybody's listening and you've watched someone struggle with addiction, like, why can't you just stop? Like, if you loved us, you would quit doing this. You would just quit. Why can't Mm -hmm. you quit? And until I had to turn that mirror back on myself and experience trying to just quit, just give it up. Um, I didn't understand how complex addiction and alcoholism was. Of course. Um, but I remember being 15 and taking my very first psychology course 
and we talked about addiction and I fell in love with psychology. Like I fell in love with it because of this. And I thought, this is my ticket to save my family. Like this is what's going to make my family better. I felt like I'm taking this class. I'm going to be able to share this information. And I even went on to get a degree in psychology. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. And um, so I feel like my whole life, it was something that I constantly saw, experienced, lived through. I had trauma with multiple family members. It wasn't just my father, but he was the closest one to me. And Mm -hmm. I was always on that high horse, man. I was always like, you need to get help. You need to go to therapy. You need to go to rehab. You need da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And like I said, Mm -hmm. until I was able to like look at myself and be like, oh, yikes, me too. (laughs) 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 Actually, um, so it's, it was something that just like my whole life I had been around and I had seen firsthand, which Mm -hmm. you would think, right? You would, you're talking about the bunny hop from generation to generation. One might What was the best metaphor I could come up with? And, and I love it because you would like some people might think like, okay, if you lived through all that trauma, if you were able, I've had looked my father in the face so many times and been like, I will never be you. Like, I will never be who you are. Look at like the way you treat your family and the things that you do. And then I became that person. Like, I, like I became exactly who like my dad was mm-hmm. exactly. Um, So that was hard, man. That was a hard pill to swallow. But I think for me, after my sobriety comes first, like my recovery comes before everything Mm -hmm. in my life. And once I was able to like really find my footing, I remember that birthday after for my dad's birthday, I wrote him like a three page letter and reminder my whole life we had fought tooth and nail. Like we did not get along because I was constantly criticizing him and like just berating him over his addiction. And so I decided just to take a different approach and come with love, like just love. And I wrote him this thoughtful letter and told him how much I loved him. God bless you for that. (laughs) You're a better person than I. (laughs) Well, I, it made like a difference because instead of me yelling and screaming and telling him that I hated him and that I didn't want him in my life anymore and if he loved me, he would change, I, I came to him with like, listen, I know exactly how you feel because I was ex- exactly where you were. And I love you. And I know if I can do this, you can do this. And I support you 100%. And then like that year was the year that my dad got sober. And I never in a million years would wow. ever imagine that that like I would ever live to see my dad sober. Ever. And I think another blessing is you're about to make him a grandfather. Yeah. His first grandbaby. Oh. It's so creepy. Jenna, <laughs> and I would like to switch that to you now. 
I mean, you've got a good number of years sober. You're exceptionally smart. You've now begun to trailblaze your own signature in the recovery world. I'm sure there must be moments where you literally pinch yourself and say, you know what? I can't believe this is happening to me in a good way, but you don't take any anything for granted anymore. It's more of a fact of, I want to make the best of my life the rest of my life. Yes. Do you th- do you think in many ways as well, sorry, I'd just like to shoehorn this in as well, with your content creation along with, because um, this is what I find, uh, with your content creation and sharing your tips and whatnot, you're actually presenting it in a more fun way that we want to help, but not in the conventional manner where we're going to put you on pills, but we want to show you that there is better, but you can have it with some excitement. That, my goal of setting up my page was, like, to show a lighthearted, and, you know, I tell people all the time, like, I'm not a life coach, I'm not a psychologist, my goal is to, like, inspire and show, like, you can be so fun and funny and glamorous, like, living without any alcohol in your life, because that, to me, was, like... I couldn't, I couldn't fathom that whenever I was trying to get sober. Like, I was like, I almost kicked you over. I was like, oh, there's mercy. no way. There's no Ow, way. You hit me. Yeah. Did you feel that? Oh, trust me. Hell hath no fury like a pregnant woman in any event. I'm constantly shifting and moving to get comfortable. No, I understand. <laughs> But I never, I really thought that it was impossible. I thought it was impossible to live a life without alcohol and actually have fun. And until you experience it, like, it's hard to believe in something that you never experienced before. Sure, like it's sure. It's scary. You go to a concert and you're fully present. Or you go to a wedding reception and you're fully pre- present and you're like enjoying yourself. Like until you experience those moments, it's hard to believe that it's even possible and it's scary. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. I agree with you fully. Now, this might sound silly, but having since branched out into content creation, what has the response been from the community? Have people written you up and said, listen, thank you for what you have done or you know what? I like what you're doing. Where can I find this? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, and I think the coolest, the coolest thing that's ever happened to me, like so far. So last year before I had a baby in my belly, I did like a lot of traveling around and my life was so different. And I like had a few speaking events And to be able, like, social media is incredible. Like, look at us right now. Like, you're in If you use responsibly. Yeah. True. True. If you use it responsibly and you're doing good by people. But I... (laughs) We get to, like, connect with people all over the world. Very much. Very much. Absolutely. And I love that. But I think when I, the first time that I got to meet someone like face to face, like that was the coolest experience. Like being able to have someone 
tell me their story and how they got sober. And that was hands down, like the most inspiring, like thing that I've ever experienced before was like someone that knew me came to see me and said, I've been sober this long. Like I've been uh, following on social media and it's like, Oh my gosh, like to see it in real life, to hug, touch someone it's just like mm. another level of. I mean, it's that feeling that money can't buy, I'm assuming, as well. In fact, where we live in a material world, it's those small little moments that last the longest. And uh, it comes with a lifetime warranty. Jen, I would like to ask you as well. Sorry, uh, Jen, nah. Even though you're about to become a mother yourself, do you see yourself in the foreseeable future, perhaps? Uh, traveling the speaking circuit, doing motivational talks? Would you consider perhaps running your own workshops in the near future going forward? And I'm saying, let's say maybe five years down the line. Totally. So I'm in the works right now writing um, my very first ebook um, I, that actually like you talk about followers and people that you connect on social media. This was something that was requested by someone that I never really even thought about before. But one of my followers was really adamant, like, this is what I'm looking for that I think you would be able to provide. I was like, I should totally do something like this. Like, this is such a good idea. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I'm in the process of that. But there's, I feel like I have so many good ideas and options and running like even running like my own business now, you know, it gives me the freedom and the flexibility that if I were, you know, traveling somewhere because I used to work in corporate sales in corporate America. Right. Like if I had a sales convention, I have had to go to like, I can't wear like a baby. (laughs) like a conference room in corporate America, like in a business suit, people would be like, eh, you're, you have to leave. But when you run, like running my own business I, and doing things like that, I would totally be able to bring a child or my baby anywhere and they would be able to see sure. Sure. what I do. <laughs> well, you know what? You've got a natural talent for it. And I mean, I'm hearing you speak with such gusto and with such bubbliness. It's easy to make a person cry. You can agree with me on that. Just flick on the news and you're in tears within a heartbeat. But it really is a gift to make someone smile and to make someone laugh. That's my job. I speak on the radio for three hours every given day and I just uh, speak about bread and butter topics in my own weird way. But it really is a talent to make someone smile. And if you can, oh, and here's another thing I wanted to ask you in conjunction with my previous question. Do you want to make your target market more in the female arena or would you like to make it unisex? What is your plans in that regard? I think that I, I mean, I'm naturally more women are gravitated towards my page, but there are so many male connections that I've made. Like across the board, because like right, like addiction and recovery, it doesn't discriminate. Um, I I partnered with um, a treatment center here in the United States. What was very interesting that she told me was 
they had a hard time finding female speakers. Like they could find male speakers all the time that were willing to share their stories. Um, but within the female realm, they were having a hard time finding females that would speak. And trust me, like I, the first time I spoke on a stage, I was so afraid. I thought, what in the world did I get myself into? But it was like, terrible feeling. It's so, oh my gosh, so scary. I had like pit stains down my waist. But I- <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm struggling. Well, I'm a I'm a picture person, and I was just playing that film in my head while you were talking, and I thought, oh my golly, this is better than Looney Tunes. But I hear exactly what you're saying. You know, that butterflies, the moment that you have to go on stage and there's 200 plus people outside of the auditorium, you mm-hmm. suffer from immediate imposter syndrome. But yeah, naturally, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing the moment that that feeling was fleeting and you got going, it was more of a fact of adrenaline was coursing through your bloodstream. Yeah, it was like, it went away. As soon as I started speaking, it was like, this is what I came here to do and my story to share. And ironically, like my story was the same, like same tone. It was ended with me being able to tell everybody that my dad got sober. And, you know, it's, I think once I started realizing that there was a gap in the world of people being open about their addiction to alcohol, I realized that I could shine my light and just inspire other people. And then it inspires other people to shine their light. Like it, it literally is just like this trickle down effect that like even playing the teeniest part and like we, we all have our parts that we're playing, right? Chris, like you have this show that you're able to have people on and Daniela's on here. And then you, I look at like so many people in the sober community, we all play this part to mm. really we're chipping away at and breaking the stigma, which is something that, you know, I don't think any of us could do on our own as of a course. collaborative effort. Well said. Well said. Jenna, if I say thank you, this is really an understatement. You're so fun. You're so affable. And I've said this before to people of similar stature. We're going to end it a little bit early out of respect for you as well, because uh, uh, I'm sure you would like to get a little bit of bed rest as well as the day approaches that you welcome in pitter patter of a little delulio. But on behalf of all the lives that you have touched, including that of your of your own kin, and to the lives that you're still going to touch, all of us here from Doing It Sober Live and the recovery community worldwide, thank you for your unselfish and undying service. It is highly, highly commendable. And please. You're more than welcome to come back any given time. You've you've made friends here. You've made friends. I appreciate it. Can I wear my baby on your show? <laughs> oh, you're more than welcome. We'd love to meet. Is it a boy or a girl? We're waiting till the very end to find out. Okay. Okay. So it's a surprise. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Jenna, thank you so much. And this has been Doing It Sober Live. We love to hear from you. As we always say on the show, if you have any uh, Q&As, please be sure to check out Facebook and social media, uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram. We always post notice up about this. Please chat with our guests, shoot them a few questions. This is a home and hopefully you'll leave here not only just enriched, but you'll leave with a family. And with that, thank you for joining us for another episode. Jenna, another marvelous thanks to you. And we'll see you hopefully, God willing, next week, June the 28th, when we have Mark. I just want to make sure of the name. Uh, I'm going to leave that as a surprise. Check out social media. God love you, everyone. Jenna, thank you. God bless you. Bye.